Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. And welcome on in, everybody. Another edition of Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get into. We had action last night, early in the morning as well, as we had UFC over in Shanghai. We had late last night some HBO boxing, the return of Sergey Kovalev, who looked nothing out, uh, less than outstanding in his, in his return, his first fight since the Andre Ward rematch where he lost via TKO with uh with the the controversy of it being low blows which hey you know that that fight against Andre Ward I think if you're going to look at the two of them in that series I can understand why Sergey Kovalev is pissed off about him because a lot of people had the opinion that he got he got rooked when it came to the first decision that he should have came out of that fight champion that does a lot of affecting when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to um, setting up yourself financially for the rematch. There was a lot of drama surrounding Sergey Kovalev for the rematch uh, regarding stuff between the camp. And I think if, if, if that would have gone his way, who's to who's to say what would have happened in the rematch if, if it would have gone better for Sergey? Because he didn't look as good in the rematch. He didn't look nearly as good. And not only that, he looked like he was fading. He looked like he was out in that fight. And so whether or not there was controversy with the the low blows or whether that fight was going to be stopped, that fight was going to be stopped one way or another. I mean, I was in the building for that fight, and I was sitting there next to Leroy. We're both sitting there watching the same thing. It's right before our eyes that, that Sergey Kovalev was not one to fight much more in that Andre Ward fight. It just happened to end in a weird fashion and gave you some controversy, ended it in a weird way. And now Andre Ward is retired. He's not coming back um, for now. Uh, you know, that that always has to be a caveat with Andre Ward. I think Andre Ward, his last big fight play is really the comeback fight because he kind of already had that once, but it was almost – he wasn't at the point of the sport where he is now where people appreciate his record, his accomplishments, um, his win, his wins over marquee names. So I think his – his comeback this time, where it's not a promotion promotional hiatus, uh, would have a lot more meaning. But uh, but but you had Sergey come back last night. He's taking on Slava Shabransky, and he uh, he looked he he was he was it was like a knife through butter. He was he was massive. He knocked him down twice in the first round. Uh, Shabransky was, you know, wasn't one for defense. It was it was certainly you're not if you were go if you were going for, last night was not for those who like defense. I'll tell you that much, which is which was great for me. It's not that I don't like defense, but I, I'll, I'll take an all-action night of fights, and you certainly got that last night on HBO. That card was uh, was filled with a lot of uh, a lot of haymakers getting hit, but Sergey Kovalev went through Shabansky real real easy, real easy. Put him down on the canvas twice in the first round, did it again in the third uh, in the second round for a third time. Probably should have been stopped after that. Uh, when if when a couple more flurries before the ref decided to step in. Um, I mean, the the fourth knockdown was certainly on the way for Sergey Kovalev. So he gets himself a big-time win and sets himself up. The one thing I, I will take issue, I had, I had a bunch of issues with the HBO broadcast last night, but the idea that this division is, is healthier than ever without Andre Ward or that Sergey's in a better spot without Andre Ward. I, I mean, I can understand that the opportunities are back there. And so for Sergey, the possibilities are there without Andre Ward because you don't have to convince anybody to 
give you the Andre Ward fight again because it wasn't a commercial success. I mean, that was the big problem for it. Excellent fights. Um, one was the first one was at the T-Mobile Arena. The second one was at Mendeley Bay. I couldn't believe it. You know, this this is that fight had everything purest boxing fans complain about. You know, they say, oh well, all the matchups these days are, are commercialized. All the matchups these days are are um, you can't get matchups between promoters. You can't get the matchups you really want to see. You can't get the matchups that are are truly earned. And that added everything that that had the argument added to everything. And yet nobody bought it. Um, I remember when the buy rates came out for the first fight, I was like, man, that's I, I remember thinking boxing was in a bad spot just from a just from a star standpoint, because I know how good those guys are. I think they're good personalities. You know, Andre Ward's not the most flamboyant guy in the world, but is a good personality, has has some star quality. Sergey Kovalev is uh, uh, as as charismatic as it gets, especially for for a guy who's coming to America. I think you know, speaks really well, good bleep talker, uh has a has an intimidating factor to it. So that had a I mean, you know, America versus Russia, it had a lot of elements to it. It just didn't sell. And then the fact that okay, controversial rematch uh, a lot of people thinking that Kovalev got screwed. Let's see what happens in the in the, in the rematch, and it's in a and it's in a five thousand capacity arena, and the Pirates even worse. And, you know, that was a bit of a crushing blow if you're if you're a boxing fan. And I remember that same week, the same week that we're there in Vegas, and we're doing Radio Row, the Connor Floyd fight becomes official, and. You would have thought that. You would have thought that the promoters, Rock Nation, Kathy Duva of, of main events. You would have thought that a best relative had just died. Like the 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 blood just drew out of their face. They knew all the talk was was going to be taken away from them that week. And so, basically, everybody's storyline that week turned to from this rematch. Well, what are your thoughts on this fight? What are your thoughts on on Connor versus Connor versus Floyd? Floyd versus Connor. Who's gonna win? And so all those things that I talked about a, a couple of minutes ago of n- no uh, no splash to it, no no hijinks, just the two best going at each other. The public the public told you what they wanted. They wanted circus. They wanted um hijinks they wanted the cross sport promotion and I did too listen I'm not I'm not above it we went out and we covered that fight too and it was fantastic um but the point being was I, I remember thinking after that after the numbers came out for that rematch I was like man that's that's a that's about as good as boxing has to offer and that's what it got from a from a pay-per-view standpoint it's in a really rough spot right now. And I don't, I don't mean to do this in a, in, a, in a place where I think boxing is dead. I certainly don't think this. I, I, I've said this multiple times this year. Boxing has, as a show and as a person that covers both the UFC and boxing from a, from a pretty equal standpoint, boxing has smoked the UFC as far as entertainment value this year. Hasn't even been close. Boxing has been amazing this year. But there, there is something to their to that economic of how people consume the sport which is not it's not it's not converting over to people being willing to fork over $60 to watch a Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward or we got coming up in a couple of weeks um Vasily Lomachenko versus Guillermo Rigandao and everybody's very excited for that fight purest fight you're talking about two of the best pound for pound pure skilled boxers that are going to be on ESPN and I think it's going to do monster numbers on ESPN but ask yourself this if it was on pay-per-view and you had to pay 60 bucks for it how would it do and I think that's where boxing at boxing is at right now you know boxing they they have so many good young stars they have so many entertaining fights they're getting put on but who is going to be the next transcendent star? And I think it speaks to 
what's going on with a lot of the legend guys. You know, this week Manny Pacquiao came out and on Instagram, and he says, uh, stay fit, my friend, with a post of Conor McGregor. Hashtag 2018, hashtag real fight. And everybody's already jonesing. Manny Pacquiao versus Conor McGregor. And you scoff at it and you think, ah, no way it's going to happen. But that's not Conor McGregor versus Paulie Malignaggi. That's not Conor McGregor versus old-ass Oscar De La Hoya, who hasn't fought in forever. That's Conor McGregor against the guy who doesn't defend as well. And now everybody's going to start talking themselves into smaller guy, doesn't defend as well, all-action fight. And we're going to do this again. And that fight probably is going to get made. I, I would be willing to bet that at some point we're going to see Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao. just makes too much sense from an economical standpoint. I don't want to see it, quite frankly, because it, it it's still a step down in my regard. Like, in my opinion, we we got the peak. We got the crossover sport peak. Conor McGregor, hotter than ever against the best pound-for-pound boxer of the last 15 years. And two of the biggest draws in their sport, colliding, monster numbers, still not what Mayweather versus Pacquiao did, but pretty damn close. Pretty amazing that we saw we had that many people fork over money to watch a fight between a guy in Conor McGregor who had never boxed before against the best boxer of the last 15 years. And so... Seeing him fight the second best boxer of the last 15 years, it's cool, but it's not quite what you got with Floyd Mayweather. And here's the other thing. People love Manny Pacquiao. So then in that fight, you're clearly going to have uh, Connor be the bad guy. And I just, I don't know how many people are going to be into that. You know, part of the appeal was people wanted to see Floyd lose. Will this be the guy who actually makes Floyd lose? So... It's, uh, it's an interesting spot, but I, I'm telling you, because those pay-per-view home runs are so rare in boxing and in UFC right now, I don't mean to uh, sugarcoat their situation because they're certainly in a, in a lacking area right now. That's why they want Conor back so bad. And, you know, while they're trying to make Tyron Woodley versus Nate Diaz, and why Nate Diaz is asking for $15 million for that fight. He knows the situation they're in. Um, look what they had to do to to stack. They stacked George St. Pierre, one of the best of all time, biggest draw, one of the biggest draws of all time against Michael Bisping. Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, probably one of the best pound for pound championship fights you can make right now in in mixed martial arts. Um, plus you on a Jay Chick, who's a long range champion, and they still didn't hit a million buys. They still did really awesome. Um, but but not what you probably would would think they were going to get a year ago, two years ago when they had Connor, they had Ronda, which meant you were good for a, a couple or three million plus pay per view buys a year, and now they're getting some of them where it's just like, hope this breaks two hundred thousand. So, all in a roundabout way, the idea that Sergey Kolev's in a better spot right now than he was with the Andre Ward thing. I guess because he gets this this new fruitful venture. He gets this new opportunity to defend his titles, to be the face of the division. I know that crazy they were uh, they were putting out that uh, D- Dimitri Bevel yesterday. Bevel. Um, I'd be surprised if Sergey does that fight. I mean, you know, young, hungry lion, dangerous dude. I got to see him fight. He was on that. He was on the uh, the card that. Uh, that uh, the rematch of of Andre Ward Sergey Kovalev, so I got to see that dude in person. Really impressive. Um, they were pumping up him hard last night. You know uh, that he had uh, fought uh, Felix Valera, who was uh, the co-main event, and Bevel. They were like, "Oh, he just you know cleaned somebody out and around." So I would be surprised if we get Sergey Kovalev against Dmitry Bevel this early. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do like they did last fight where they do Sullivan Barrera and if they can get to the money that it was right. Apparently Barrera was upset with uh, the payday that they were offering. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they go with Sergey Kovalev next. I mean, the Adonis Stevenson thing has been out there forever. 
hard to believe we're finally going to get that, but maybe they finally run out of options and they they uh they'll be finally into doing that. I don't know. I don't know. But entertaining fight last night. The Valera Barrera fight I thought was extremely good. Really, really good. And I thought that, first of all, that referee, that dude thought he was an assistant principal, like between two kids. I mean, he was it was interesting because you had him being super strict, taking away points for low blows almost immediately from Felix Valera. Way too quick. I mean, the way that fight's going, I understand. Don't hit the guy low. But these guys, they're, they're throwing bombs out there, man. He's not doing that on purpose. And this guy's out there, and he's, he's like, immediately, first, first, uh, first warning, don't do it again. Second time it happens, took a point away. Took three points away from him for low blows. Uh, and, the, and in the fight previous, it took them, like, took them all the way to the end uh, to to take Eurekis uh, Gamboa to take a point away for holding where the guy was warning the whole time. Like, I just thought that, first of all, I thought that fight was a lot closer than Harold Letterman had it. He had he had Barrera, first of all, winning the first round, which I think is stupid. How, how are you going to have two knockdowns and one guy gets gets cleaned up and the other guy basically t- a glove touches the canvas and you're going to give the other guy, you're going to give the, the weaker knockdown the round. That's stupid. That is, that is dumb. And he just started, it just felt like he was just like, ah, you know, all the antics. I don't like the antics. I mean, Felix Valero was throwing out crazy, crazy moves. Uh, you know, they, they did the story, they told the story where he cried when he met Roy Jones at the at the broadcaster fighter meetings. And so he's trying to show off his Roy Jones tactics in front of Roy Jones. And, you know, I would say 20% of them ended up working. I think in the fourth round when he was switching stances and, and cut open Barrera worse. That actually, uh, that was the one that actually worked. But he's like holding the ropes. He's doing the old uh, swing around. He's doing some Ali shuffle. He's jumping up and down, pumping himself. He was an entertaining fighter. Um, you know, so Barrera ended up winning. I don't think he won by the margin he did. And it's also hard to judge the margin he did because he got three extra points for, he got three, basically three two-point rounds because of the low blow thing. So, that put the scorecards out of whack, but a really, really entertaining fight. So that was the fun last night. We'll get into a little bit of UFC Shanghai, what went down over in China, Michael Bisbing making the quick return, and what went down between him and Calvin Gastelum, the news and notes in UFC. Plus, we got UFC 218, so we got fight picks coming up later on in the show as well. We'll be back right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Dublin here with you. We'll take you up until around 10 o'clock. So, there's some interesting things going on with the UFC 219 as we had some rumors come out at the beginning of last week about Tyron Woodley versus Nate Diaz. That's a big plan. They'd like to do that. Tyron's been really harping to get this fight. This is the big money fight he's really been looking to get. You know, he's he's taken all the top contenders. He's knocked out Robbie Lawler. He's beat Wonderboy twice. He's beaten Damian Maya. Uh, a lot of those uh, outside of the Robbie Lawler fight wasn't very entertaining, but they were effective going up against real specialists. So he's looking for that marquee fight. You know, Tyron Woodley's looking to really cement himself as a blockbuster guy and and beating the Nate Diaz I think would would certainly help in that regard but apparently Nate Diaz is one of his coaches came out and says that uh the UFC won't pay him he wants 15 million for this fight and that he knows that he is the marquee guy here that's why you have a champion campaigning for the fight with him and I will say like look Nate Diaz has some some point to a degree the Diaz phenomenon is 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 known. People want to watch those guys fight, and so Nate Diaz, I I, I definitely des- think he deserves big pay for it. Fifteen million. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to believe Conor McGregor's going to get fifteen million in his UFC return. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of cash. Um, but I do think they should pony up to make this Nate Diaz fight happen. I mean, this is a, a you you got. People interested in a fight that has nothing to do with Conor McGregor, I guess, other than Nate Diaz 
having the McGregor rub. Um, but I, I just think that that end of the year, it's always this is this is a couple times where the UFC has had two traditional big pay per views, and I think the headline of them would be a little bit a little bit weaker than you'd expect. You know, the the you had the International Fight Week card in July. That's always a monster one. And that is that got hurt because of injuries, so we didn't get that. And I think it ended up being uh, Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes. So a great a, a great women's fight, but I think lacking the star power that you'd expect. And right now, the main event stands is Chris Cyber versus Holly Holm. Very good fight. Very good fight. Exciting fight. Two of the best women strikers that you have out there, but not quite what you'd expect, I think, for that end-of-the-year card, that blockbuster. I found this one interesting. So Daniel Cormier came out this week, and he he put out a picture of Khabib Namagamadoff and was basically saying that Khabib was told that the UFC offered him a fight with Tony Ferguson, and Tony Ferguson didn't accept for the end of the year. And currently, uh, Khabib is on that card slated to fight Edson Barboza, which is a monster fight, really good fight. I mean, you want to talk about a clash of styles between those two guys. You have probably one of the most vicious grapplers, pound for pound, in the sport against one of the most vicious strikers, especially kickers in the sport. Really, really entertaining bout between those two guys. But... The idea that Khabib should be in line right now for the title or be complaining about it. I know that's kind of his role. You know, Khabib's a bleep talker, but now he's he's going and using outside resources and using Daniel Cormier. And I get it. We all want to see that fight. We We all want to see Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. I was crushed when that fight got taken away. When, when when we found out that we weren't going to get that fight, I don't think there was a bout I was looking forward to more this year than Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. So I still want to see it. I definitely want to see it. But the idea that he should get to waltz right back into a title, and also for an interim title to fight Tony Ferguson, it doesn't sit well with me. I'd like to see Khabib Namagamadoff make weight for this fight against Edson Barbosa, win, and then put himself back in there. I don't think it's it's a, a long punishment that Khabib should have to go through. I don't think it's a long, if you want to call it suspension, if you want to call it show-me mode, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't think it's a lot, but I think he needs to do it once. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna fight for the title, you had your opportunity, you couldn't make it to the scale. That's 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 that that bothers me as a as a fan of the sport. And so I'd like to see him do it once. Make sure he's healthy and good to go. And then you can start talking. You know, go out there, dominate Edson Barbosa, and then we can talk about him fighting Tony Ferguson. But, you know, to anybody, anybody calling out Tony Ferguson, first of all, Tony Ferguson signed up to fight you. He's the one who, he's the one who made weight. He's the one who did his job that week. So the idea that he's afraid to fight you is silly. The idea that you have any standing in this is 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 a little bit nutty. And the other thing I think it's weird is all right, you have so you have your teammate. Daniel Cormier, who's you know, a prominent voice in the UFC, he's probably their lead analyst outside of Joe Rogan. You have him calling for you to step up and be a man and fight. It's like, all right, how many of these heavyweights does 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 Tony Ferguson have to go through with Verdum call you know getting into it with him? Now Cormier is calling him out for his toughness. It's like, hey man, this guy's got a, one of the longest winning streaks in the sport. What more does he have to prove? What what, what does he have to go out there? And show you, your your guy, your teammate's the one who didn't make weight. He's got the show me mode. He's got to go out there and show you that he's, first of all, healthy. Um, and second of all, you know, I mean, Khabib Namagamadoff, if what happened to him happened to anybody else, it's like, all right, you think that he'd be dying to get out there and prove again that he's a professional and that he would make weight for his for for what he what he signed up to make weight for it's like all right well that was supposed to happen when in march that fight 
all right, you got your recovery, and now we're all the way at the end of the year, and you wanted to to slate right in like like nothing else happened. It's like no, I mean Tony Ferguson had to go out there and he had to go fight Kevin Lee, who is a is a young stud, probably was getting that title shot too soon. So Tony's kind of in an all lose situation there, taking on a guy who's a relative unknown, starting to come on a little bit with uh, with name recognition, but you know if Tony Ferguson would have lost that fight. I mean, he's never getting into the Connor picture ever again. Right now, Tony Ferguson has a a, a a very, very short window right here to hopefully get Conor McGregor or whatever the hell he's going to come out of retirement or or his hiatus, and he's got the golden ticket. He's got the interim title, and he earned it, and he gets to sit on it for a little bit until Conor decides, nah, guess what? We're either dropping the title or we're not going to fight you. But if I'm Tony Ferguson... Until they, they strip that interim label from my title, I'm not fighting anybody else but Conor McGregor. No way. You gotta make him. You gotta make you gotta you gotta call the UFC's bluff and Conor McGregor's bluff, and you gotta say, All right, here's the deal. I'm either the undisputed champion and I'll fight whoever you want, and you gotta make Conor drop the belt, and I don't know if the UFC's gonna do that, although they're kind of in the close range to have to do that. Or or I'm not fighting anybody else, but or I'm fighting Conor McGregor. That's it. That's that's the that's the list. Sandy, what's going on, my friend? Hey, I apologize. I tried to call you earlier when you were still on the boxing. You can get back into it, man. Don't worry about it. All right, I've been hunting, so I haven't been around that much. But I, I, I want to make a comment on the fights last night, more on the uh, the broadcast. I thought it was uh, awful last night. Yeah, I got to tell you, this was the second. It's almost become obligatory for Lankley every time Sullivan Barrera fights to give us the story of his daughter and throw in his own political commentary on top of that. And I'm finding it a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's one thing. The second was that they've got this narrative now that the Kovalev and, uh, and Ward thing that somehow Kovalev ended up in this abyss. You know, I thought Kovalev won, and I know Seema did too. Thought Kovalev won that first fight. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, I thought Ward just ran out of rounds. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Kovalev's had one fight where he was beaten, and that was the second Ward fight, no question. Mm-hmm. But we—it's almost become, like I said, a, a dynamic narrative that uh, you know that Kovalev was somehow lessened as a fighter based on two bad losses, when in fact it's really only just one. So. That's what I. That's what I took away. It's not much, but I just saw that pass that along. You have a great morning. Take All care. right, take care, Sandy. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, you would think like Kovalev. I was even. I was even like uh, thinking to myself because I had a guy tweet. I was like, ah, oh, look, Kovalev back. And it's like he didn't really go anywhere. You know, I had a, a guy. Uh, a, a guy sent me a message on Twitter. He's like, he didn't really go anywhere. I was like, yeah, hey, you kind of got a good point. He really didn't go anywhere. He lost to one of the best pound for pound fighters uh, in the world. Um. But you didn't know if he was going to come back, so that 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 I think is cool to see. You got to see, you got to see the crusher again. That that was what was cool about last night. Did he have an easy target, or did he have a guy that put it all out there for him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zabrowski was not a, a a hard target to find for Kovalev, but he didn't he didn't mess around with him. Like, got him out of there as 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 soon as he could. He went in there and he's like, "All right, I'm going to outclass this guy. He's a sitting duck for me." And you got to see a little bit of vintage Kovalev there. And it's hard, I guess, to, to say that because, you know, this is a guy who had Andre Ward on the canvas for the first time in his career a couple fights ago. But that's how boxing is, you know. I was a little annoyed last night with Yuriko uh, Scamboa. Like, you, you know, HBO puts it out there, and they're like, oh, well, let's see if he's got the, the drive and the motivation to be out there. Does he have the will? And... This is all after the preface that they put. He's taking this fight on 15 days' notice. So he's stepping into a ring with a man on a couple weeks' notice, but I'm supposed to wonder about his drive, his desire. Did he probably get a nod in a fight he shouldn't have won? He probably did. I didn't think it was as lopsided as they thought it was. Like You would have thought that he was getting blown out in this fight. And then Kellerman's at the end, and he's like, yeah, I can see it. It's like... You could see you were just ending the guy's career three rounds ago. The entire time, you're like, I, I got to tell you, like, I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see Gam. We should ever see Gambo in a ring. It's like, hey guys, come on, you know, you want to talk about that? A guy, a guy 
is, is getting knocked out. Like the poster child for me is that that has always been when I felt like Roy Jones is getting knocked out cold in Australia. And I was like, you know what, Roy, if you're three continents away and nobody can see you get knocked out, I think that's probably the line of as fans, we could say, we'll call it a career there. But for me to say Gamboa has got to, got to end his career because of how he's looking on a fight he took in two weeks. No, it's like, yeah, well, no wonder his cardio doesn't look that great. I know he's probably not the prospect you all thought he was, but not everybody's going to turn out to be the best pound-for-pound fighter of all time. And though, and so, though they may not be good for you on HBO anymore or a, a marquee draw for you on HBO anymore, doesn't mean their career's got to end. You know, They can go out there and they can make a living, for goodness sake. UFC 218 is coming up next week. We'll do some fight picks next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. So we got UFC 218 coming up next week from Detroit. And this will be a busy night for me because, man, we got we got the Riptide Music Festival that night. Uh, we have the ACC Championship that night, Miami versus Columbus. This is going to be a long be a long ass night for me but very very excited about this card a little bit of a downer that we're not getting the original main event because i was looking forward to seeing max holloway versus frankie edgar and i don't know if i would say i have jose aldo fatigue it's just i don't know how much like jose aldo's just been in this picture forever and a lot of that goes to his greatness sure but it's been since the connor thing where he pulled out of the original fight and lost the way he did to Connor, then got an interim shot immediately against Frankie Edgar because they didn't know uh, Connor was going to jump divisions. And, you know, then he immediately got a shot at Max Holloway again because he was the interim champion after beating Frankie Edgar. So I was just, I was like, all right, I was, you know, it's, it's cool that we're seeing him versus Jose Aldo. And that first fight was good, it was competitive. You know, Jose Aldo especially in the first couple rounds, was doing some some good things against Max Holloway. I just think that, you know, Max Holloway is in just such a zone right now. Think about, you want to talk about guys who go under the radar and young stars. You know, I don't feel like this guy gets nearly enough of the shine that he should from the UFC. And I'm just, I'm talking about between, you know, you think about, the, the people who have been on Ultimate Fighter between TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt. You know, for, for weeks we were leading up to this Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw thing, and and um, they were touting Cody Garbrandt. Is he going to be the next Conor McGregor? Is he going to be the next breakout superstar? And it's like, oh, he's a good-looking kid and he's got neck tats. That's awesome. But you think about it, Max Holloway's won 11 in a row. He's beaten half of his top five. It's incredible. He hasn't lost in four years. He's amazing, and he goes out there and he's a showman, man. Every time he goes in that ring, is he much with a with with the microphone? Is he much with the uh, the 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 flamboyant, charismatic talk of the microphone? Maybe not. But you talk about like you think back to his fight with Ricardo Lamas, where the last ten seconds of that fight, they're just, he's just like points to the canvas. We're gonna bang right here, all out. I had no reason to do that, had that fight in hand, but they were just going to do it because that's how he rolls. And Max Holloway is just awesome. I think I think that's my bigger point here. And I, I feel like it goes pretty unnoticed that you have a featherweight champion who hasn't lost in four years, has won 11 straight, and probably is never going to get a chance to fight Conor McGregor again. You know, went the distance with Conor McGregor back when Conor McGregor was – was uh was an undercard fighter was fighting on the the Chael Sonnen um Shogun undercard a- in Boston and since then hasn't lost that's amazing and i think was he 19 when he had that fight it was either 19 or 20 this th- this is how good this guy is so a little disappointed that he's not going to face a new test and i think that's only because i want to see him just against new tests because what else can you throw against Max Holloway at this point he's he's cleaning out everybody and he's doing it in unbelievable style he's shown tremendous grit he's shown he's shown uh, an ability to go out there finish in different ways he's he's sensational in the octagon so it's just going to be awesome to watch him fight I guess my big sell for this not that I'm doing that for the UFC but 
even though it's a little bit lackluster because we just saw this matchup in the summer, seeing how Max Holloway gets better is show enough for me. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think he's going to retain, and I think he's probably going to finish Jose Aldo again just because I have no reason to believe that's going to change unless Jose Aldo's going to come out there. I do remember thinking um, in that fight, why why wasn't Jose Aldo using his, his legs as much? And I think he came out and said that he was a bit banged up, so is he healthier this, this time around? Maybe. Maybe that'll be the dynamic change in this where – you know, he's he's throwing kicks, and he'll bring more weapons to the table this time. But Max Holloway's just shown an ability to adjust to anything. So I, I, I see no reason why he's not going to keep that title around his waist. I am looking forward to the heavyweight matchup. You got Alistair Overeem, Francis Ngannou. This is really supposed to be Ngannou's coming out party. You know, he's finally going to be in there with a top contender, hasn't really fought all year. Um, and, and this is a guy, Dana White's, you know, just drooling over. He wants this guy to be heavyweight champion so bad, or he at least wants him in a buildup with Stipe Miocic. You know, this heavyweight division has been pretty bland as far as just been uh, the same names, and they're all older. You know, that's the other thing. You know, Stipe's young by heavyweight standards, but he's not young. And so you have Ngannou in this in this mix, and you have a new fresh name, and you're like, all right, the new heavyweight freak. He, he looks amazing. He's almost, I mean, honestly, he's almost like the UFC's Drago. Like he trains at the UFC facilities. He is the he's got the nickname the Predator. He looks like a monster. They're putting him. They did the thing where they do punching power. He's got the record for punching power, world record. I don't even know if he legitimately has the world record, but they says he that he, they say that he does. So it sounds good. Um, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go with them. I, I, I just think that you got Overeem who's, who's definitely prone to, to getting stopped. Um, he's two and O this year. So Overeem has looked pretty good, but I, I, I think I'm going to go with Ngannou. I'm going to buy into the hype and say that he's going to come out with this on top. And maybe that some of that is me on, on hope. Cause I just want to see the new blood, you know, Alistair Overeem is, is pretty Teflon at this point. All the accomplishments that he has on his resume. I guess the last thing that he doesn't have is the the UFC Heavyweight Championship. But if you're telling me, all right, you get to see this new freak of of a, of a heavyweight who's getting all the bells and whistles. It's funny because you have Francis Ngannou who's going to get every training advantage he can get at the UFC facility, and then you got Stipe. If that matchup does happen, who's like, yeah, training Cleveland and I'm a fireman on the on the side and. You know, go to Cavs games, which I guess is a good time if you, you like watching old guys run around. And LeBron. I guess that's cool. Um, but either way, that, that's that's me knowing that, look, heavyweight matchups can go either way. I don't have a great resume on Francis Ngannou. Uh, you know, only seen him fight a couple of times. So, and I've seen him go out there and destroy guys. So, why do I? Why why should I believe he's not going to do that to Alistair Overeem, who's one of the most decorated strikers of all time? But you know, I, I, I part of me is going with hope on that one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Francis to win that one. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not gonna be surprised if Alistair comes out there and is like, oh oh, you thought that you thought that this was like anybody else? I was just some stiff with 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 two hands, and this is gonna go easy for you, and and just and just body kicks him to death. And Francis Ngannou's like, oh, that doesn't feel good. So that certainly can go that way, too. Uh, Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis. That's an exciting flyweight matchup. Uh, I'd like to call this the the fight that's going to make TJ Dillashaw's head explode. Because whoever wins this is probably going to fight Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And I know that TJ Dillashaw wants that fight really, really bad. But I don't. I, I really don't think that... I don't think DJ's going to take that fight. I really don't. Um... Does that mean Dana White's going to close up shop? I kind of think he had his little tantrum about that. Um, and I don't know. There's just part of me that's not, I'm not I'm not into watching TJ Dillashaw go down to 125 pounds. And I, I maintain this. I don't think he can do it. I think that's why that whole thing stopped in the first place. And I don't think we're going to see that at flyweight. I, I will want to see Demetrius go up in weight and see what he can do eventually. And will we see that event? Will we see that soon? I hope so. But I'm not into watching Cody or TJ 
or any of these guys say, I'm going to cut down and get to 125 pounds, it just doesn't have the same luster that going up in weight to get a title does. It's similar to GSP, like the uh, the rumors that uh, he's going to go down to 155 pounds to fight Conor McGregor. It's like, why? Why, why do you want to go down to 155 pounds to go collect belts? That's weird to me. TJ Dillashaw going down to 125 pounds, I don't think it makes me – I just it – doesn't, it doesn't have as – it doesn't have more of an impression on me than if you were to just fight Demetrius Johnson at 135 pounds when Mighty Mouse is tired of fighting at 125 pounds. Either way, you have the win over your resume, and then at least it's not like, oh, yeah, I, I sucked down, went to the little guy's weight class, and I beat him for his belt. It just, I don't know. It, it doesn't go with me. I can't wait for this one. Um, I'm going to go with Sergio Pettis to win that fight, by the way. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje. I think this could be this could be a fight of the year candidate. I mean, Justin Gaethje's already got that on his resume with his, with his, with his fight over Michael Johnson, which was incredible in his UFC debut. These guys were an ultimate fire together. You know Eddie Alvarez comes to brawl. He's an OG. I mean, only guy to be a, uh, well, is he the only guy now? Yeah, I guess because Rory hasn't won the UFC title. So, yeah, he's the only guy with a Bellator and UFC championship in his career. He's awesome. And, you know, a loss to Conor McGregor doesn't change that. His fight with Dustin Poirier was also really good. Got ended by a no contest because of some illegal knees, which was a bummer. Um, and I think he's going to – I like him to come through the Justin Gaethje fire. I know Gaethje's kind of the hot commodity right now. And he was able to weather the storm against Michael Johnson. Um, but you got to think that the way he fights is going to bite him in the ass eventually. And I think this is going to be the fight that does it. I think this is going to be the fight where Eddie Alvarez weathers the storm. You don't come forward on Eddie Alvarez a lot of the times, and it, it turns out good for you. Uh, it didn't turn out good for him against Conor McGregor, but that's Conor McGregor. And I I have a feeling right now that, that Eddie Alvarez has a big performance coming our way. And we're gonna kind of remember the name of the badass that is Eddie Alvarez. So, those are my picks for that. Uh, for those for those top four cards, you got excellent fights all the way through. You got you know Charles Oliveira, Paul Felder is the headliner for the prelims. That's a great fight. Um, Karate Hottie, Misha, uh, Michelle Waterson against Tisha Torres. That's a really good fight on the main card. Um, so really, really action packed card coming up. That's that's that is a fun night of fights. Um, final note before we get out of here, uh, was we'll keep you updated with what's going down on the heavyweight division. Tyson Fury has snubbed Eddie Alvarez's flirting, uh, Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Hearn promoter, Eddie Hearn's flirting to be his manager. And he has fine. He has signed with MTK global as his new manager for his comeback. So a couple of things this says, it does show that, um, Tyson Fury is serious about, making a comeback he signed with management they're going to go negotiate uh tv deals opponents whatnot um look all i want to do is see him fight shannon briggs that's what i want is the next fight i don't want to see him fight some run-of-the-mill british guy i don't want to see him fight tony bellew like it had two polls come out you had seventy-five thousand people on your own twitter account say they want you to see you want you to fight shannon briggs you had another website that had another twenty-five thousand votes say that they want you to fight shannon briggs you have papers in the, in london they say they want you to fight shannon briggs i think enough people have spoken to see what they want your next opponent to be they don't want it to be some bum ex-rival that you had they don't want it to be for some flustery um uh, interim belt fight result they don't want that and they certainly don't want to see you fight a cruiserweight so let's just make it known you got MTK. I don't care if it's MTK, ABC, one, two, three, global, whatever the hell it is. Just, just fight the people. Just fight the man that people want you to see, and that's Shannon Briggs, man. That's it. Fight him. It's gonna be an amazing fight. And also, that belly is strong. There was a picture this week of him and Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton is looking so good in retirement, and by good, I mean he's looking real, real post career chubby. He looks happy. He looks happy, and I like that with Ricky Hatton. I can't believe that he used to fight the way he did, 140 pounds. But there's a picture of I'll, – I'll put this out on, on social media. Tyson Fury and Ricky Hatton with their bellies out. It is hilarious how good those guys are. I love the the uh, the body love that they're, they're putting out there. It's fantastic. So that's it. That's our show for today. We'll talk to you guys next week. For those of you who get to this part of the podcast, I will usually throw down a, a bonus segment of something I didn't get to during the live show and egregious of me that I didn't get to this. We got super into boxing and um, 
very excited about the UFC card. And this almost speaks to, I guess, the confusion of what went down. And that was Michael Bisping fighting in Shanghai against a killer like Kelvin Gastelum, where he gets cleaned up in a round. He's now lost twice in the span of three weeks, basically, less than three weeks. Um, and, you know, I had a guy text in at the end of the show, so this sparked me why I want to do the bonus segment. But he's like, oh, well, if you were British, would you be embarrassed by Michael Bisping? Nobody uh, on any planet should be embarrassed by Michael Bisping. He is a badass. The fact that he went out to Shanghai to get this loss off of his, uh, get the loss uh, off his back, get back in the wind calm. I think the motivation for it's a little bit strange. Um, I don't know if anybody should be fighting in that close proximity to one another. And I know it's very old school. He is old school. So that's a, uh, it's tough to tell a guy like that, don't go be a warrior like you have been. But I think in this case, with the condition of his eye, you know, some of the health concerns that you have about Michael Bisping, I just find the motivation for it was a little bit weird. <clears throat> you know, like here was talk that he's going to go and he's having his retirement fight in London in the spring. And so was this a case where did Michael Bisping have two fights left on his career, on his on his? Did Michael Bisping have two fights left on his UFC contract and he just wanted to be a free agent afterwards? Maybe. I got a hard time Mike, uh, believing Michael Bisping's not going to be like the European ambassador for the UFC for the rest of his career. Um, you know, because I imagine Connor's probably going to be too big time to do that. So I do find it a bit strange that he went and wanted this fight and that management allowed him to have this fight. I get the opportunity financially of wanting to go fight in China and get that exposure to that market. So do they make it financially beneficial to him and it's just a money thing? Maybe. I I, I got to think most of it is in that fashion and you can't fault a guy for wanting to go get a paycheck. I don't think it should hurt his standing in anybody's mind that he lost the fight the way he did. I think a lot of people expected him to lose the way he did after the way he lost to GSP. You know, that equilibrium gets messed up, and I don't quite think it had the time to recover that it did. So maybe that is the, the thinking where it's bothersome to some people. But dude's a gangster, the the fact that he went out and he, and he fought the way he did. Now, Kelvin, afterwards, he called out Robert Whitaker for an interim title shot, which I think is interesting on a couple levels. Okay. One, he didn't call out George St. Pierre, which is self-aware because I don't think anybody thinks George is going to want to fight Kelvin Gastelum. Um, you know, a guy who's missed weight, has had wins stripped for weed, has gotten suspended for weed. Um, I, I, I think that's self-aware on Kelvin's part to not call out George St. Pierre, but interesting that he calls out the interim champ um, because... I think it speaks to a couple of things. I, it is self-aware, but I also think it speaks to, I don't think a lot of people in the circle or in the octagon, if you want to throw a pun on it, of the UFC, in the world of the of the UFC, think that GSP is long for that division. I don't think anybody believes he's going to fight Robert Whitaker. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the live show that, you know, if you're, if you're Robert... I don't think you fight anybody until they definitely tell you, hey, you don't fight. GSP is not coming back. You're the undisputed champion. We talked about this with, with Tony, Tony and Khabib. Khabib wants to fight Tony. He's doing a call out to Tony. Tony doesn't fight anybody. That's not Conor McGregor until they tell you you're not the interim champ. You're the undisputed champion. And I think if you're Robert Whitaker, that has to be your tactic here. You don't fight Anybody, anybody, until they tell you, you're the undisputed champion, we've stripped GSP. Same way with Tony. You're the undisputed champion, we've stripped Conor McGregor. Those are the only scenarios where I go and I fight somebody else. Because that's your golden ticket. It is literally gold around your waist and should be in the shape of a ticket. In fact, I've, I've been on this campaign for a long time. 
how I want the interim championship to look different from the actual UFC championship, I think it should just be a gold ticket. I think that is what you should win. Willy Wonka style, golden ticket. They can put it on a belt. The belt can be molded in the shape of a ticket, but I think that's what it should be, a golden ticket. And that ticket could either be to a fight with the undisputed champion or you could take it to the UFC offices and after you're named undisputed champion, you could turn in your ticket belt for the undisputed championship belt. We can make it the 790, the ticket belt. We'll sponsor it. 790, the ticket, golden ticket, belt for the UFC, undisputed championship. That's what it should be for. So, um, yeah, I think Kelvin fighting Robert Whitaker. first of all, that's an awesome fight. I'd love to see it, but I do think that Robert Whitaker should turn that down until he is told by anybody in the UFC brass, you're the undisputed champion, GSP's not fighting you. And then do you have a problem with Kelvin getting the title shot? Uh, probably should be Rockhold if you're going to talk about who deserves it in that regard. Probably should be either Luke or it should probably be it should probably be Rockhold. I, I would say it should either be Rockhold or it should be Rockhold or maybe uh, a fight between Yoel and Kelvin, and then the winner gets gets to fight Whitaker or something in that something in that regard. Because 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 Yoel's loss was to, to Robert Whitaker was super close, so. I think that um, I think those two should fight again. I would like to see that. I would like to see Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero again, and I think Yoel should just be a win away from getting back into that title picture. So, anyway, that's our show. That's our post bonus show segment here on the podcast. We love you guys. Um, busy Saturday coming up, man. We got the Riptide Music Festival. I'm going to be presenting one of the bands there. I think I'm presenting Cage the Elephant. That's what I was told, but I also think. My program director doesn't remember what band. So I will be presenting a band. I just don't know which one. And uh, we got the ACC Championship that night, which you can watch in the 7 of the Ticket Sports Oasis. And we also have the uh, the UFC that night. So it's a busy, busy night for me. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you. We'll talk to you next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.